I have two stacks of information in front of me. The first relates to the data and the emails that we're going to be examining together. The second relates to the information that you sent in response to our survey questions. And I just want to thank everyone for participating in those surveys. We asked you a number of questions, and you answered them honestly, and it really helps us. For us, every single conference call is a test. Every email we send is a test. We're constantly trying to learn. As you probably know, one of our mantras here is, is uh, marketing is testing. And in fact, as an FYI related to future conferences coming up and and so on, uh, every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., I meet with my sciences group and we discuss the ongoing testing. And I met this morning with a um, uh, our key people there, uh, Jimmy Ellison, a uh, 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 lady named Maria, and others. And in any event, we have 45 tests, 45-plus uh, tests ongoing right now that connect to a number of areas. Those experiments will all uh, be sifted through our test protocols, and the most relevant data to your questions will be finally uh, released in these online briefings and then in uh, our documents or our marketing experiments journal. So watch for that. Also watch for the blog. There's a lot of new entries going into the blog. There are no, there's absolutely no way for me to convey all the tests that are taking place. And I looked at some fascinating data this morning, and I thought, my goodness, I'd like for my readers and listeners to hear that. Some of that type of information will make its way into the blog because it's quick and fast, and it's information we can give you on a timely basis. Having said that, I'd like to get started right into the program. We are in part two. If you missed part one, it's available in audio. It's also going to be released as a major brief this week. You should be able to get all the keynotes and findings from the first clinic and what we released, the information. That would be in a Marketing Experiments Journal brief that should be mailed to you as a subscriber. Make certain that we're whitelisted in your filter so you can get that information. Also, uh, as I begin part two, and if you have not heard part one, I don't think that you'll find yourself needing to refer to the earlier material to follow along with us. We're moving rather progressively through a set of variables, and we're going to be looking at completely different tests. So let's begin. Uh, as you may recall, we ask what factors determine the really, in terms of online marketing, effective email copy. And we've been studying seven distinct factors in a series of tests. We've talked a bit about that at some of the conferences. It's an ongoing research project, and I am still not prepared to release our final formula that will outline uh, the key way forward. But we're going to keep testing, and we're going to teach you everything we learn as we lay out how to optimize your email copy. And as part of that formula, there's variables that we've been testing, you know, envelope fields and so on. In the first brief, the one that you may have attended in the clinic form two weeks ago, we focused on writing effective email copy. Part two, we're going to build upon those principles that we discussed and show you how to optimize your envelope fields and utilize the power of urgency. So slightly more sophisticated in at least one aspect, but some of this will be simple. Bear with us, we have a large audience, and some of you are very experienced and others less experienced, and we try to do our best to serve all of you, but to stay you know, at least at a certain level of sophistication. So we will begin with examples from experiments conducted. There are three examples we're going to bring to you from our own files, 
And then we asked you to submit to us emails that you'd like us to optimize live. We have those emails online, and and without any prior you know uh, work, we're going to actually move from our written case examples directly to your emails and work through some of those together and interact with the audience as you give us your thoughts. Let's begin with the first case study. It has to do with memory. It's an experiment with an online retailer of computer memory and accessories. They're fairly dominant in their marketplace, and they're run by a very competent executive team who has managed to distinguish themselves in a highly competitive industry. We sent four emails in three-month increments to a house list consisting of customers who'd made purchases within the prior 36 months. The objective was reinforcing trust and increasing customer goodwill. And then we speculated which emails would perform better, but we remain acutely aware of certain principles that we've taught in the past. And frankly, those principles connect with one of the first maxims that I began this call with, and that is testing is marketing, marketing is testing. And we didn't want to speculate. We wanted to find out the information. And so we ran those tests, and along with that, we analyzed uh, the emails themselves. And I want to show you what we found, not so much the test data results, but how we optimized an email. I'm responding particularly with this. We're going to be looking at other data sets later in this call, but uh, we had a very positive response in the surveys that we sent, but we did have 11% of you ask us for more tactical information in terms of how you optimize with examples. And so we've detailed this out for you. If you'll notice this on your screen, you'll see an email. And I'd like you as a as a listener right now and as a marketer to notice our thoughts as we walk through this, but you're welcome to send other things that you think might be helpful. Use your question and answer feature as you look at this email, and you may have thoughts about ways to improve it. Uh, this is an optimized email. We wanted to show you something that might serve as an example. So the special note at the top clarifies why the customer is receiving the message. That's very important today. We talked about it in our last clinic, but all of our testing indicates that familiarity is one of the keys to getting past someone's mental filters. May I point out that there's two sets of filters that you have to pass in order to get into the customer's um, decision cycle? The first filter is that electronic filter system designed by ISPs and, and you know, email providers, et cetera, et cetera, email clients. Uh, it's clearly a, a technology. But the second filter, and one that you must pay careful attention to, is the mental filter that has already been set up and established by the prospect whom you are sending your email to. We all have both filters. Uh, studies show us that when someone reads, for instance, postal mail, uh, they read it with a view to throw it away. As they go through the envelopes, they are looking for a way to eliminate what's in front of them. And in reality your envelope has to give them an excuse to stop the action of, quote, throwing away, end quote, the letter. I should draw a parallel from that to email and point out to you that I believe we have the same issue here. With the volume of email making it into our inbox, even past our spam filters, even from friends or acquaintances, we are looking to see how quickly we can handle this contact piece and move on. This has changed the way successful emails have to be written today. It's quite different than it was two years ago. And this 
email starts immediately the hard work of connecting directly with the prospect. First of all, it points out that this e-bulletin is strictly for customers. Before you read any further, you know that you are being sent this because you have a prior relationship. And it also points out that it's customers who've requested to be notified. We're reminding you that you asked for this email. Then, to make certain that you realize this is true, we're validating it by setting down two pieces of personal information. We know your computer type and your memory type because you purchased memory from us in the past. That field in a database, that's the kind of field, by the way, when you're designing databases you should pay attention to. You'll find in the next wave of involvement, you know, in terms of the Internet, it's going to be an area where databases grow far more sophisticated in terms of design and return. In this case, all we're looking for is two pieces of information, your computer and your memory type. And so what have we done? We've inserted that in this letter. It's better than a personal name. The reason it's better than a personal name is you might put the wrong name in the field. It might be someone else reading the email. It might be that they purchased with someone else's card or that their formal name is not the normal name they use in address. But you don't want this uh, to, to, to be shut down by their mental filter by calling them a personal name that's incorrect. So we say customer, and in doing so, we remind them that they previously purchased. And before that, we prove that this is legitimate by giving them two pieces of information that relate directly to their history with us. It's not enough, though, because in the next line, we go further and remind them of exactly what they purchased. Now, that sounds like a lot, but really, you're only talking about a few lines of text, and we have now made a connection, and we're moving now psychologically from the connection to the reason for this specific email. That's important, because even when I recognize an email from a friend, and I get those as well, some of those are silly emails I don't have time for in the midst of my busy day. Some of those are jokes that are passed along, and I'm just not able to review that at this time. I'm suggesting that you need a good reason for them to continue. In, uh, in direct mail copy, body copy, I'm talking about an offline print ad, you have an attention getter, and then it's followed up by an interest builder. Now, those are two separate pieces, and I often wondered why they were delineated until I began testing many, many years ago, and I realized that it wasn't enough to get their attention. You can get someone's attention with uh, a clever headline, it's, you can get their attention with the right image, but it's very, very different from holding their attention. And to do that, you've got to start a forward movement. Think of them as passing by, and you've done something that makes them stop. But now you must move from making them stop to attracting them to, to enter. And that's a different set of movements. And so the reason that even a good speaker taught with Dale Carnegie would know that he needs to begin with an attention getter and then build interest is for the same reason that this email starts to say something else. At the current rate of technology growth, your computer may need new memory again. Now, you, you recognize at this point that something else has happened. Psychologically, we've moved from just giving them a reason to read the email to insinuating a problem. That's very important because this is a way to intensify their commitment level with the text that follows. It is 
further intensified with a question. Now, it's very important that you consider that the value of this question is not simply that it intensifies the potential problem or that it engages them further, but that it actually asks for mental participation. Now, most of the time, when we're trying to engage someone in what we're doing, we fail to ask for the mental participation. We may ask a rhetorical question, but it's not a real question. It's not a question that anyone takes serious. It's a silly question. It's a clever question. But it's not the kind of question that would make someone stop and think. Please, if you're writing an email copy, understand that you've got to get them to stop, and then you've got to get them to think. And as you're doing that, believe it or not, what's occurring is you've begun dialogue. People uh, don't buy from computers. People buy from people. People don't buy from emails. People buy from people. Dialogue takes place only on a give-and-take level. And in a theory of communication that I've written for a separate paper on philosophy, I talk about the importance of both the transmitter and the receiver. You don't have communication unless a message is received. You just have noise. So now that brings me to the next piece. By the way, if, if you want me to move faster tactically, I can, but the problem is... I won't be able to engage and teach the principles underneath this. And I'm concerned that what you might come away with is a shallow understanding of, oh, I need to add something here that identifies the customer uh, as a previous customer of ours. And miss that deeper than that is a set of principles that get down to the core psychology of how you write copy. And I'd like to communicate that today. So if you're advanced and it seems like I'm moving slow through the first email, we'll actually go quite fast through some of the others. But let's think a little bit more deeply. So now what we've done is we've, we've asked them, are you experiencing any of these symptoms? But we've done another tactical move. It's not notated here. But rather than list the symptoms, we've inserted a small, subtle header. Subtle is important. Less is more. This email doesn't have lots of graphics. It doesn't need it. This is designed to feel like a letter from customer service, not an ad. Very important. More importantly than that, look what's happening now. We have created something in the iPath so that if you skipped through the first couple of lines, we hit you again with an intriguing headline that might make you think for a moment. This is our backup move. This is my second way to get you to engage. It's been my experience studying iPath and eye tracking that the eye will scan. Okay, who is this? What is this for? Boom. You might even skip that top, this e-bulletin. If I were going to do that, this e-bulletin again, I would probably put uh, some, some kind of eye-gathering uh, plain text symbols at the top to make them see it better. But let's suppose they skip past it, they sweep down, they notice it says customer, they'll catch that. They always look to see what's addressed to. They may, as their eyes passing down, realize that you know something personal, start to think it's legit, slip down and see top five computer symptoms, and here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that as they see that, they stop for a moment, read through the list, and identify with one of those problems. Now, everybody doesn't have those problems. And everybody I send this email to is not a potential customer. Not at this point. I am looking for the intersect between uh, a certain kind of uh, timing nexus. And that intersect is between my offer and their need. And frankly, the conversion of this email is closely related to two factors the first one is gaining your attention, and the second one is gaining your attention at the right time. 
Because no matter what I've done to get you this far, unless you need memory for your computer, I've probably lost you. That's all right. I just want to get the attention of those people who might need my product. And so that brings me to the list of five that you see here. Programs consistently run slower than when you originally purchased your PC. You consistently receive system resources or low errors. I like starting with a letter with the word you, by the way. I'd probably move that one up. I don't like the order of these five. I don't even think I have seen the wording of these five optimized. It could be optimized. Your questions could be asked in a better way. But I think it makes the point, so I'd like to move on. I'm looking at another slide. I'm looking at the second part of the email. If you notice any of these symptoms on your computer, you may want to consider memory upgrade. I'd like to point out the word may, M-A-Y. If I'd like to point out that that is a word that has conversion possibilities, and it's being overlooked by many of you. Some of us have been brainwashed with an eyedropper. We, we, we read some maxims from the direct mail world that are 30 years old, and we think that we're going to do better by talking to people as if they should be patronized if they're children and forcing them and threatening them and warning them. I know that does work with a certain percentage of the audience. When I did research in television, much to my chagrin, I discovered that very simple words like amazing, the world's most amazing police chases, actually pulled higher first-time viewer ratings than a more sophisticated title. So for those of you that know your audience very well and would like to disagree with me on principle, uh, I concede. But I would like to suggest that in most cases, most audiences, particularly today, are offended by the tone of, that we see in the emails. Many of the emails that I saw submitted to me had the wrong tone. The word may here suggests something that I don't think cost you any money in terms of leaving uh, psychological quote-unquote wiggle room. You're simply saying you may want to consider a memory upgrade. And the way you say that uh, does something. It distinguishes this email from the, uh, in the discourteous, shoved down your throat styles that we so often get. Bottom line is, it also feels legitimately like it might be from customer service. So on you go. You can find 100% compatible memory for your specific tutor in just three clicks by using your memory configurator. I'd like to stop there, by the way. I'd like to say two things. We built a memory configurator with this test, and we saw conversion go up so dramatically that the navigation on the page was de-emphasized on the home page they wanted to eliminate it. We left it there. But I believe, this is from memory, please don't hold me exactly to this number, 70% increase, uh, or 70% of the traffic, those who went through the configurator had a 70% higher chance of buying. Jimmy, are you on the line? Jimmy Ellison? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me, Clint? Jimmy was the genius behind all that. You know the real number. Do you recall that, Jimmy? I'm almost positive the actual conversion of people that actually started the configurator was somewhere around 20%. It was something higher than almost we'd ever seen, and that was verified, I think, with two or three tests where it was, you know, in, in the 20%. Now, the, the entire site traffic, because they had natural traffic that didn't go through the home page and didn't go through the configurator and some other traffic, I think total site conversion was around five, four to five percent, depending on seasonality and stuff like that, which is still for an e-commerce site extraordinarily high. You know, usually you can see conversion like one to three percent on a site like that. They were in the four to five level, which is uh, pretty tough. And the majority 
of that lift is because of the configurator. The configurator itself was the key impact, and so rather than eliminating NAV, we simply de-emphasized it. We felt there would be a credibility problem if NAV was gone, so we left it, but we moved it out of the IPATH. Uh, net result was a major gain in revenue. What's important for you to know from this in, is that, that, A, the configurator is something you may want to consider, and it's off our subject, but it's, another, it's the potential for another uh, experiment. What I'd like to point out for you is that an, Good customer service is marketing. Good marketing is customer service. Customer service, according to your CFO, may not be a marketing expense, but today it's just as vital. For one thing, many of you get your ratings based upon how satisfied your customers are, but for another, we're not disgenuine here when we send this as a feeling of customer service because we really are serving them. We've laid this out. We've told them their memory. We're trying to help them. It's a helpful email, and you can discard it or you can utilize it. That's important because I think the more you see a synchronicity between customer service and the email itself, uh, the more you start to, well, it's going to impact your conversion. It emphasizes, you know, your role to serve the customer. Good sales should serve the customer. Now, very important, right at this point, we give them an extra reason to click on the link. We want them to click the link. So what do we do? We talk about free shipping for all memory orders, an expedited overnight shipping for $8. That is very good. That is an additional reason why to click on that and get in there. Now, let me point out something, though, that's very important about this. If I was designing this, and by the way, this was the first pass of an email. I, I would shred this one and write it better, too. And I can tell you right now, uh, Nick's on the phone, I think, Nick Osborne. I would put the hottest information earlier in the sentence. I think we are currently offering, basically, uh, is the wrong set of words to approach them with right after those three plus signs. Free shipping for all memory orders, something like that needs to be right up there. I think the word free and shipping would be the first two words I'd leave with, and then, then I'd reconstruct the sentence. When you're, when you're doing direct mail copy, please understand something. You must load your key sentences. It's really, it's really a matter of setting up the key, and that's often what your, your, your context sentences do, and then once you set them up, you hit them with the right cross, which is essentially that most critical piece of information that you want them to get. And it's vital that you think about the order with which you present the information, even within the limitations of the sentence itself. That brings me to the next, uh, the next line, and we haven't made any notations on this line, but I actually think it's one of the best parts. Your time is valuable. Thanks for shopping with For All Memory. Now, there's a deliberate move from thanks, from thank you to thanks, and other emails it might be better to have a more formal tone. But what we've done here is made it, first of all, it's honest. I mean, that's really what For All Memory team feels. We know their time is valuable, and we're really glad. They're really glad you're buying from them. And it just says it in a way that's personal and shows some respect for the customer. I think it's very important that you think of the key line that you can use in your signatures that conveys that kind of information. Frankly, if you look in our information or in our emails, you'll see a line that I utilize and I mean it. You know, it's, it's not just marketing strategy, but you'll often hear our emails begin or end with, thank you for your trust. We mean that. We're trying really hard to earn it, and we're really grateful for it. And I just think it's, 
important to consider what that line is that you put very close to your brand. What's, what's beneath that? The brand name. Think about where that closing line is in relation to your brand and its perception and be strategic about it. Now we come to the classic PS. Anyone with direct mail experience knows that PS is one of the most read parts of any letter. Here we offer the telephone option. We don't do it first because we'd rather you click on the link. But in the event you haven't clicked on the link yet, we pull out one more big gun and ask you to use your phone. For some, that really makes the difference. They want to talk to a person. So, considering all of that, what I'm hoping to present you is an example that will help you. I'm going to move to new data. I'm going to move to new emails. We've used significant time getting this far, but if you have questions, you may shoot them at me as quickly as you would like to. All right, so uh, here's a list of some things that we just discussed. This is just a summary of the principles. I'm not going to dwell on that slide because it will be part of the briefing that we send out to you, and I'd like to move to another very short example. This one I knew I would actually speed through. Uh, we've been wanting to understand, you know, what is list erosion and in this particular marketplace. If you're carefully monitoring, what are you going to see in terms of list erosion? So here we have email A sent May 2nd, 2006, and, uh, and the same email sent 2007, and, uh, and they're sent to a personalized opt-in list, and we note an immediately a 20% decrease in open rates for the same email within the same list. Now, I'm going to tell you why this is important, and I want to make certain that my uh, writers get this in the actual uh, journal issue. All of us know there's decay. If you're on the line right now and you've had some experience in the industry, you're going to say, so what? I'll tell you what the issue is. The issue is that when you're testing particular messages, you need to be careful that when you compare your advertising or your emails to a given audience, even 30 days apart, that you're thinking about erosion when you're comparing the conversion ratios of A to B. If you do an A-B split test design that's, that is sequential, we teach this in our certification, it's sequential in nature as opposed to, uh, well, you know, the standard A-B split that's instantaneous or almost immediate. What you're going to find is that your numbers are skewed by the rate of erosion. This is actually a low erosion rate. You can find it much higher than this. Beware of that when you're testing your body copy. And I just wanted to point it out because I think it's something we don't account for properly and we are getting a little and we don't even know it. Welcome to Verizon Wireless. The wireless customer you called is not available at this time. Please try your call again later. Announcement 1, switch 138 2. I'm not sure what. Welcome to Verizon Wireless. The wireless customer you called is not available at this time. Please try your call again later. Announcement 1, switch 4138 2. We're on AccuConference. We pay a lot of money to use their service. I don't know where that's one of our listeners. I don't think it would come in if it was a listener. It must be some kind of flaw with AccuConference. Uh, we'll just continue. We don't mind. We're just trying to teach you. As long as you're getting information that's helpful, I'm okay. Let's move quickly now through test design. Uh, this one is kind of interesting. In this test, we measured artificial urgency against natural urgency. Now, I do not mean when I say artificial urgency. It's very important when you're writing your emails. I do not mean 
that uh, we're talking about fraudulent urgency. A fraudulent urgency is urgency that you, you know, basically create through some statement in your email that just isn't true. You know, the thing that we have 22 models left, and, and you know, buy now why you still can. That kind of that kind of approach is wrong. First of all, it's just lying. And people are not so foolish. They see through it. Before long, they catch on to what you're doing. So I'm against going to a landing page and seeing a piece of JavaScript that says this offer expires today at 12 midnight and it changes every day. I think that's dishonest. And, uh, you know, if you read my piece, Transparent Marketing, I get into more detail regarding that. When I'm talking about artificial urgency, I'm talking about urgency that's created because you actually set uh, a pre-deadline or there is some decision that you make internally that actually places a limitation, but it's a genuine, authentic limitation. When I'm talking about natural urgency, I'm talking about the kind of urgency or the kind of deadline that really you can't do anything about. It's solid, it's there, and it's not going to change. It's... it's uh, it's set because perhaps the start date of a course, which is what we used here. Now, I want to show you a chart that we've been studying carefully. And I want you to notice the peaks and the lines next to them. You have to look at this. In both cases, what you're seeing is the increase in conversion. And you'll see with artificial, there's a major increase in conversion. The, 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 the line moves straight up with and the number on the left represents not the conversion rate, but the increase in conversion. You'll see that artificial and natural, and you'll see how they're tracking side by side. Okay, just take, take just a moment to review that. And notice something. The real issue isn't does natural urgency work for, better than artificial urgency. If you'll look, and at, there are times when Artificial urgency actually outperformed the natural urgency. Now, in this case, the natural urgency was the deadline to enroll, and the artificial was an early enrollment discount. What's fascinating is that in every case, you see a dramatic lift in conversion. The very lowest sample on here represents a 200% increase in conversion. By the way, when I ask people what's the conversion for their website, and they give me an answer, I'm very suspect. For one thing, it's a generic number related to so many various sources and channels of traffic, I'm not sure that it means anything because if your channel changes, so does your conversion. Also, I, we speak of conversion for a site as if it's static, but it goes up and it goes down depending on all kinds of variables, not the least of which is something completely outside of your control, and that's what your competitors are doing. Look, please, at the next slide, and let's see how this influences email copy. So... Look at this language extracted from an email, and first of all, notice the way artif artificial urgency is being created. Now, please know that it doesn't matter whether you have a course offering, because artificial urgency can be created by retailers and uh, by those in the service businesses and subscription sites. In this case, it was an early registration discount. It's quite legitimate. You want people to register early so you can get a sense as to how large the class is going to be, and you're prepared for it with your instructors and your staff and your support. This is a fairly informal tone. We recently tested uh, uh, 
emails. I don't know if you received them, but they were emails regarding our landing page certification course that went out. We had a lot of people writing us back and, and humorously because one was written in a classic direct mail tone. It talked about Corollas and Porsches. And the other one was written in the more clinical tone that people are familiar with from our laboratories. We saw a significant increase in click-through from our clinical tone as opposed to the Corolla Porsche tone. But we didn't really see that significant difference in revenue, and we're still testing. Bottom line, though, is it, it, it seems that you should test not just the wording but the tone. You can see how we did it here, but if you look at this, this Thursday, June 15th, if I was writing these emails, I would elevate the place on the page in which they see that it's uh, close to being too late. It's too far down in the copy. It worked. You saw it worked, but it's still too far down in the copy. I would think if you're thinking about writing your email, and this is one of the factors that we've been testing with our distinct variables, you really need to spend more attention to urgency. I don't know of any variable that you can quickly change that could have such a dramatic impact. I understand that writing a good headline can have a huge impact, but the problem is it's very difficult to know whether or not that particular headline is actually going to be better than the other. Testing headlines requires a lot of testing. On the other hand, you can almost be guaranteed that if you do the urgency piece right, you're going to see a major lift. You might be able to improve the, the lift with a better wording of your urgency, but you're still going to see a major lift. So if you're trying to improve your emails, emphasize urgency. All right. I'd like to stop right there and begin to look at your own emails. I have Jimmy Ellis on the line, who is our Director of Optimization. I have a number of my staff members. I don't want to introduce them all. Uh, it's, it would be, it would take too much time. Uh, I think Nick was born. Uh, Nick, can you hear my voice and you're able to speak? Nick should be on the line. He may be taking a moment to try and uh, get off mute, personal mute, but Nick, interrupt me as soon as you're uh, verified that you're online. And then I'd like to begin with a submission from one of our subscribers. And that's uh, from Avid. So we'll look at this. By the way, I, I produced television programming in, in um, Los Angeles and did a bunch of tests out there. And, and uh, I remember my old days on Avid editors long before we had all this digital uh, opportunity that exists today when you had to buy a Betacam for $720,000 you know, used. And today we can get the same quality with $1,200 in a digital camera. So uh, I'm looking at this Avid ad, and I'm going to start some recommendations. But I'd like to invite Jimmy to speak in just a moment. And while he's doing that, would you take time right there to start shooting in your thoughts? Use the Q&A section and tell me what you think about this particular ad. So I'm watching. Some of you have been – a lot of you have been asking questions and I, as we've been going, and my staff's been answering them, so I haven't answered them out loud. But uh, please talk to me about this. I see the ads coming in. I see your comments. I've seen two very good comments come in already. It's interesting that the first three comments are all about the same problem. So if you're online and you're from Avid, you're going to want to hear what people are saying. In fact, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, so far, and, and they're coming in as 
I mean, there's many more. Scroll down for me, uh, John. John is assisting me. Uh, all of you are identifying a major problem with this. I, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up in just a moment and read some of your thoughts. Jimmy, why don't you talk about this and tell me what you do differently? I'm in the uh, I'm in the middle of the flurry of questions. Uh, when I'm gonna have too much time to look at it, but I guess my first thought was, uh, is there another incentive that they could use to get someone to, to click? I mean, it looks like a professional email, and I guess I don't have major critiques up front. But what I what I do have is a bunch of ways I would test this email to figure out which format works. For example, even though this is a very professional-looking, clean email, I would also test a pure text. And everybody seems to be shying away and shying away more from pure text, but gosh darn it, we've gotten some great results with pure text emails. So you could probably send a similar email for them to sign up and, and try their product and get the inside story, and I'm looking at the copy right now. Um, but test the pure text. Another thing they, they could do is um, change the format of the copy um, and so basically your, your register now button is going to be right at the bottom of the copy because we know the location of the calls to action usually performs better when it's right at the end of the primary information, whether it's a, a landing page or an email or a direct mail piece or anything like that. Um, I don't have too much up front because I haven't had too much time to look at this email before we uh, just threw it up here. All right. Well, then let me just continue with this. Um, I'll read some things from the audience. And I'll, I'll talk about the, some of this. The first thing the audience has pointed out is that it's, it's done in reverse, which is a classic offline move, and that's white on black as opposed to black on white. And in almost every case, it's a significant mistake. And I could point out to many of you who have seen the same thing, uh, Ryan, Ellen, uh, Kathy, Robert, all of you are noticing this. But let's just look at some of those. And I'm going to just move up closer to the major screens here, John. Uh, for one, I think it's caught between a letter and an ad. It's written like it's a letter, but it appears like an ad. I think it would be far more compelling uh, if you tested two completely separate versions, one of which Jimmy said, a, a light text or a light HTML slash plain text looking version in letter format against this. But beyond that, I think the headline does not help me understand at all it may be to the specific audience, but I don't believe it's a good headline. It's three words. It doesn't convey a message. There's no action implied. There's no benefit implied. Uh, and and it, it doesn't connect. Moreover, the second paragraph or the first paragraph is so long that it has no eye path. You should have smaller, listen, short paragraphs. In every case, short paragraphs. Uh, I would probably try to connect with someone, the reason they're being sent this particular email. It does say number six. I don't know what that means, Abbott Interplay for Film and TV Editorial. I I can't really be certain, but I would identify who I'm sending it to. I'd, I'd let them why I was sending it to them. I would put a compelling headline in it. I would take off the black color. I would be light on the graphics because I don't think anything about that fancy look at the top is really going to do anything to drive more sales or clicks. If you're interested in Avid, you know what an Avid can do. What you need is to use all graphics to control the eyes. In this particular case, all the graphics are actually driving the eyes up to the top and not doing anything to get them down to the bottom. If I was going to use graphics, I'd plant them lower in the eye path so that I could actually see. So, uh, 
then the text may be too small. Certainly, it is on our screen, and some of you have, not some of their, uh, have noticed this. Someone else has asked, where are you building trust? Where are the benefits? Uh, 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 someone has asked, uh, and um, I'm just looking at all these emails to see if anyone has said something that I haven't covered. At this point, I do not see that. I also think it's confusing. Yes. Oh, yeah, I was going to make a quick comment, especially the next time that since we're, we're trying to get more interactive is when we do these submissions to ask um, the company to send in their email capture, like how the customer signed up, a screenshot of that. Because, for example, I, I was looking at this email uh, since we've been talking about it, and, and it seems to me like someone signed up for a series of emails. Right. Most, I mean, if this was for a series and they're expecting the Avid Insider series, that's one thing, unfortunately, we can't show on here is we don't know how, what the customer saw before they started receiving these emails, and, and I'm sure we'll probably build that into the next session. You know, even if they did, I would – Jimmy, that's a very good point, and I think yeah. you're probably right. But even if they did, I'd use my headline differently. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think it conveys enough reason to get into the text. But I think that's valid, and I think if you do this again and you could give us a little more information and background – we could be more accurate as we help you. Do you see the register now button? I think we have a problem with the register now button also. It's, it's to the right-hand side, which means it draws your eyes up and down and right past the letter or the copy on the left. You need the register now button. You need a, you need a solid graphic at the bottom of this email if you're going to use graphics to drive them straight through in a linear fashion. All right, let's move on uh, so that we can cover a various size and types of emails as they're coming in. I'm looking now at one, and the first half of this screen is the first is the top, and the second side of the screen is the is the bottom of this. It's a travel planner. Uh, I'm going to start to read. Someone says, by the way, in this last one, there needs to be more links above the fold, and that was a good point, uh, Kyle. So keep going now. Looking at the email on the left, uh, we saw one from Avid. Now we're looking at a travel planner group, and America's Best Value Inns are at the bottom. I assume that's the group behind this. Uh, bestvalueend.com. So please uh, take a look and tell me your thoughts. I'm watching as they come in. Critique this particular one. Too many advertisements, says Kathy. It has no focus, uh, as someone says. That's true. There's no iPath. It's busy. That's very true also, uh, Steve. It's uh, a lot of ones saying it's too busy. The ads at the left are too distracting. Way too many graphics. Uh, incredibly uh, busy again. A lot, of, a lot of comments regarding that. Big white space on right, what do you want me to do, no clear call to action, small text. These are all thoughts. And if you're on this line and you represent this group, you know, we have a lot of expert marketers on here who are talking with us. And uh, someone wants to know why precisely the emphasis is on kids. And I'm not saying that, we're not saying that's wrong or that that's not strategic, but we, we're not clear from the rest of the text. Uh, what am I supposed to focus on? Is this for a family vacation? Is that why there's children here? Uh, the list continues. Now, as you're, as you're looking at that with me, as you're looking at that with me, uh, continue to think, and let's just talk it through. Let's suppose your job was to optimize this. Management gave it to you and said, okay, we want you to optimize this email. First thing I would do is gather information about who the email was being sent to and as much demographic information as possible about them. Not only, you know, what is the preference, but, but how did they get subscribed to our particular list? Is this a house list? Uh, is this a legitimate swap? Where, where's all this coming from? Once I'd identified that, the second thing I'd ask is, what precisely? I wouldn't leave, by the way, if the manager, 
If management asked me to optimize an email, I wouldn't leave the room until they could tell me what the objective of the email was. We fail mostly because we haven't clarified our objectives. There are two questions you need to ask every time you start an optimization project. What is the objective of this page? And what is the most effective way to accomplish my objective? There are no questions of more significance than that. Part of understanding the most effective way is understanding who the email is going to. Having asked those two fundamental questions, I'd drill down and then ask myself, all right, what category of email should this be? Is this an ad-like email? Is this a personal letter email, which I favor? Is this, you know, once I got the right category and then I'd identified the right tone, I'd move deeper and say, all right, now, if my objective is to get a click, which I don't know what else it could be. I mean, you don't make any money from this email unless they click. It says join today. It's free. So that must be the, 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 the goal. If that's the goal, then why would I have win a pillow size buddy in large, large text and value club and all of those other things, special values thrifty, and have it free as one tiny little link at the bottom of a set of bullet points? I like the blue text. I mean, that tells you it's a link. And I'm certain that maybe some of these ads lead you into the same place. But what you have here is a frenetic experience. Your eyes will start, I think if we did heat mapping, you'd see the eyes will start at the top, scroll down to the image of the girl. You can't see the bottom, the right-hand side of the screen. They may pop down to the sunset, over to the left. The last thing they're going to read is the bullet points. So I would make this linear. If you're, if you're on the line and you have anything like this, make it linear. Make it flow from up to down. Put the information in the right order so as to achieve your objective. Then I would apply the things we've talked about regarding the other emails, personalization, etc., etc., etc. I could say more. I could say more, but I'd like to move on. With your permission, we'll do that right now. Uh, so we're looking at this set of emails. Now, if you're on the line right now and you're looking at this email, would you help me in real time to give you the answers that you want? What do you want me to do right now? Write in to me and tell me, is the way we've looked at the last two emails helpful for you? Is there something we're not doing that you'd like us to do to help you? Let me hear from you for a moment before we analyze this next email. We want to make this as effective as we possibly can for you. Many of you are saying nice things, and I, and, and, and I appreciate it. Uh, but I, what I'm wanting to do is ask, is there anything you would like me to do with this email that I didn't do with the last that would help you as a marketer planning your own emails? All right. Pacing. That's what I wanted to hear. If you feel this pacing is good, I'll keep reading what you're saying, and I will, I'll keep rolling. All right? So I'm looking at an email which I think is above average. And, in fact, we're going to close out today by looking at some emails that I'm impressed with that were sent to us. Uh, and, and so let's just look at this one. I think it's above average. You've got to actually see the left side distinguished from the Right side, and just think about the left, because that's all you're going to see in the beginning. What have they done? Well, it looks like they've given a, a subheadline in black across the top, a major headline underneath, a clear snapshot of the information you most need to know, and an attempt to get you to register immediately. From there, they've driven you down into a more detailed account of what's going on with course description, etc., I would guess that they're clear on what their objective is. In two places, they've asked you to register. 
I would guess that they're trying to catch you if you already know about the event and you just want to register. They're probably trying to get you to do that, remind you, with a short read at the top. If you're not persuaded with the short read, they're giving you a longer read. I would suspect that that's a good way. I would only test this email. Uh, there's several things I do, but the first thing I would do is question whether or not you want to try to do all this selling in the email. Because a good way to handle what you just talked about is to have a click, because you're not going to make any money until they click on the register page anyway. If you could come up with a shorter reason to get them to click on a button and get them to a page where they can actually begin registration right there, what you've done is you have accomplished far more with less work. You know, if if the email was short and talked about, a, a, you know, here to get your early discount, etc., and it was a shorter email that drove them to the page, if there was two or three links embedded in the email, I would, I mean, I just think that you might actually get a higher yield on the far end. That needs to be tested. You need to send this version against a shorter email page that does all this heavy lifting. Now, that's a conceptual difference. Jimmy, I'm trying to keep my pace moving, but you have permission to interrupt me at any moment. And Nick, too, if, if, if you're not having a problem. Nick's in Canada right now, and he may have some difficulty logging in. But, Jimmy, do you see immediately, if, if you sent me this email, what do you think I would point out right away to be my first question about it? Why should I click through? And what, what, what is, I'm looking at it, and, and depending on the first thing, is this email how much they know about SOX. I mean, if, I'd rather see something how, you know, SOX can help my business than why SOX isn't just for big public companies in the headline. Um, but I totally agree with what we're talking about in terms of links. A lot of times it's almost similar to, to banner ads and, and contextual ads where, you know, the objective of the email or the ad is to get a click, and then your landing page should be the most effective way to actually sell them on whatever product or service you're trying to offer them. So I would definitely absolutely test a shorter version of the email, almost maybe around the same size of where they cut off the first time right before more, more program details. If they can fit all the key points within, the, within a, you know, let's say a 500 or, you know, 400 four, four words or less type of uh, uh, word copy, that would probably be, an easier way to get them through to the site and then the landing page to really spell this out. Let me just, Jimmy, if, I, if you sent me this body copy, what do you think is the first thing I'd say? This isn't a test, Jimmy. I just was thinking about our, <laughs> our conversations in the past. The the paragraphs are too long. There's no iPad through them. Look how, look how long the about the speaker paragraph is. Look how long the snapshot paragraph is. It's it's too long. It's too difficult for the eye to sort out the critical pieces of information. They need bold font in it. Uh, it may be all right, Jimmy, that they send this to someone who they know on the list is very familiar with what they're offering. If they don't go into the core education piece as to why this will help you, it certainly wouldn't work for say as a, as a, just a general send to our list because there is no there is no connection, and just as you said, there's no direct connection between this and the true value or the benefit that's gained, and you're trying to sell probably an expensive event with an email. This sale is going to take place by getting them to a more comprehensive document. So I think what you pointed out is very good, uh, but in general, I, I want to say this is a stronger email. Uh, it's a stronger email than some. 
that, that, that I see. So let's move on. We're running out of time. I got five minutes. Let's spend them working. All right, so audience, you've been listening to us and all this. This would be a good one. Fire at me right away, please. I'm going to read your – I don't even think I need to optimize this. I think you can optimize it. Would you please do it for me? Tell me what's wrong with this email. Big white space. There must be a graphic that goes there that didn't print. Is that an animation GIF? I don't know, but if it is, don't send it an email. Remove the image at the top. I agree. Not sure what they want. I agree. Too much real estate taken for images. I agree. Too much copy. I don't, I don't know if it's too much copy, but I know there's no iPath. Paragraphs are short, but you should have some bold colored font in there that makes it easier to see. Uh, apply now is a terrible button. You need a button that would, I mean, they're not, they're not going to apply in the email. You need a, a button that asks for less involvement that gets them to click. If that's gray on white, it is wrong. Good point. It may be black and white, and it may just be the way it's displaying online. It's very difficult to discern the point of the email. I'm going to move on. There's more you're telling me, but I think we can move on. I'm looking now at what I think is a good sample. We're, we're really done. I, I'm going to take you through a few of these. I don't like all the heavy graphics, but it's Better Homes and Gardens, well-known brand, set up properly. They're old direct mailers from a long time ago. They know what they're doing. We could optimize this. I see a way to increase the revenue in terms of their gain, but if you look at it right now, notice the personalized approach. Notice how they get the two free years is emphasized. Notice how there's a personal signature at the bottom. Notice how they use the PS. Notice how they use graphics underneath the PS to drive you down to the bottom of the page. Notice the free cookbook shape. Not the cookbook itself, but the free cookbook shape. It's pointed right at the click here button. There's a lot that's right about this. And if you're trying to figure out how to write your next email, pay attention to it. It's pretty good. Notice the tone. It's personal. It's I need your yes or no. Setting you up in the mental path, they've also implied that there's something you need to decide and they've intrigued you as to what it is you're asking them to decide about. And then they move to this really informal tone. You see, we have two free years of Better Homes and Garden reserved in your name, but I need to hear from you right away. I believe that when they start to talk that way, it will still work, but the tone begins to move a little bit into that hype. And you've got to be careful. You can only go so far with that before it starts to mitigate conversion. Then they, they point out that it's the best offer, so they're trying to keep you from waiting for any other offer. I notice that they use the word I instead of we. They're keeping it highly personal. You can learn from this email. Now, I would point out to you that I would still test it against a completely radical different look. Someone said it looks like spam. It does look like spam. But it's, it's, it's really a cross between, you know, an ad and a, and a letter. And, frankly, the industry is still feeling its way along to try to understand how to best get conversion in an email format. I would test this against a flatter, light text email with the same core message without all the graphics. They probably already have. If they haven't, please do so or uh, talk, email us. Maybe we'll tell you what we, how we would set that up. And in either event, uh, we're moving on. Uh, this is Puritan's Pride. Uh, they got a lot of products at the bottom, short email. This is ugly, but you know what? It converts. They don't have to... I don't like this email. I've changed many things about it. It looks like you just got sent a web page. But I'd like to point out for all of you online that are experts on design that sometimes the ugly ones still work. I think this would reasonably work. 
Puritan Brides a, a niche brand. You might give it a little bit of attention. They've emphasized 70%. They actually have a first name. I don't like the first name field, but they, if they happen to get your name right, you may pay attention. It's short. It emphasizes the value, and it does something that made me included in here. It combines the letter with the product images. That's worth pointing out. Am I suggesting you copy it? No, but I'm suggesting if you're trying to blend the two, here's somebody who's doing it, and I'll bet you this ugly little email does okay compared to some of the others that I've seen, probably better. I think my time is up. Flip through, John. Take me one more forward. Uh, back up. We don't have time to look at this. This is an interesting one right here. I think this is well done. There's graphics, and, there, and I think the graphic at the top is too big. But I think that it's a light use of graphic, and it's done well. And the only thing I would do is, you see, that, uh, there's a lot of things I'd do, but the free bonus gift, I'd flip it and point the arrow the other way. I wouldn't point their eyes off the page. I'd point them into the text, and I'd shorten the size of the graphic at the top. And I, there's a lot of things I'd do. I would probably use a graphic that says traditional home because the magazine cover is recognizable. That's why graphics are to be, could be included here and be used successfully. Then I would do some work on the body copy. I'm concerned about the, it appears one, the fifth paragraph. The fifth paragraph. I think that uh, there's things we can do in the fifth paragraph to, to Im improve it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm out of time. Listen, I thank you for your patience of these last two sessions on email. We have another set of experiments on search coming up and another set of experiments on landing pages coming up. Um, uh, the landing page was really quite interesting. We'll be talking about that, and there'll be a brief, uh, and there'll be a, a web briefing that you can attend as you have today. Please take time to complete the survey we send to you. It really helps. Um, we used it this time. We read every line. We quantified your comments, and we laid them out in percentage points. We tried to make this more helpful. And if you have a moment before you leave, just jot a note and let me know if today was helpful for you. You can use the Q&A to do that. I, I, uh, I value that because it's different than the survey. It's actual feedback in the form of, you know, uh, someone just talking to me. So tell me if you find it helpful. We appreciate all of you, and we are grateful for your trust. We'll talk again in two weeks.